0: We got a bonus episode, it's Adam Rosenbaum, chief meatballer of the meatball shop, coming back to drop some bombs of knowledge on the network.
1: Here it is. You know, going niche is always a good idea, Um, kind of separates yourself from everybody else, which is a, you know, we, we obviously did that at the meatball shop, kind of focusing on single item. The challenge I see with that is, you know, similar to that that exists in like a bowling alley or a pool hall or a ping pong facility, right? With games, with board games, the understanding is that people are going to sit for longer than they normally would if they were just having a meal. Are you ready for it, it factors, success stories,
0: failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become Unstoppable what up unstoppables we got a bonus episode coming at you today and i'm excited for this bonus episode because adam rosenbaum dropped some serious bombs of knowledge on one of our network members Wes. and uh w- really what this today's session is what this bonus episode is is a, a recording of a peer mentoring session that happened earlier this week in the network. And what I'm doing in restaurantstoppablenetwork.com, if you guys have not heard of restaurantstoppablenetwork.com, what I'm doing is literally connecting this generation of leaders with the next generation of leaders around the spirit of paying it forward. And uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned in 2019, that was a rough year for me. I was literally living out of my car, uh, driving from city to city, at, sometimes at four months, in just in total on the road at one time before even like making it back to my home base. And that lifestyle. Well, while well, I met a lot of incredible people and I had a lot of really great experiences and I got to see a lot of the country that lifestyle can wear and tear on you. And I was just feeding the funnel, putting more and more people into the funnel. Uh, and, you know, I have zero regrets, but I, I knew from that experience, that I didn't want to continue down that path of just living on the road and meeting as many people as possible. I, I had never met so many people in my life. I had never felt more alone. So what I decided I wanted to do in 2020 was I wanted to slow down. Um, ironically, I was kind of forced to slow down, uh, but I wanted to slow down and instead of feeding more people into the funnel, more relationship getting more relationships in the funnel, I wanted to focus on the relationships I already had. I wanted to start pulling back the layers on the individuals i knew in my network that could really add value to my listeners and i wanted to connect with my listeners on a whole new different more intimate level as well so i we launched restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com around the spirit of literally connecting my mentors on the show with my listeners and and just hanging out and sharing information and going to work for my listeners on a a more impactful level. So today, what you're listening to, what we have for you is a a session, a pure mentoring session. And within two to three weeks after an episode goes live, I, I give my guests the option to join us live for 30 minutes to a half hour, sorry, 30 minutes to an hour in the network to answer listener questions, to reflect on their episode and to basically just... Offer pure mentoring. So, if you really resonated with one of my guests, one of my guest mentors, you can now meet them via Zoom and ask your questions and get advice on what your own challenges are. So, that's one of the features of being within the network. And um, every once in a while, like I, I, when I think when I feel like there was a really great session, I, rec- I record all these sessions and they're all available within the network. Uh, but I, I, I bring them to the Greater Restaurant Unstoppable. Audience, because I, I want to create awareness about what we're doing in the network. And I really, I, I think there's a ton of value here. I want you guys to be a part of it. So, I mean, this is a bonus episode because one, uh, I knew that you guys would find value. And two, hopefully you're, you're, you're realizing what, what you're missing out on. And I cannot wait to get you guys in the network. So if you're interested in the network, um, here's what you got to do. Head over to restaurant network.com. It's $30 a month. And if that's a challenge for you, and if you really want to be a part of this network, uh, but that 30 bucks a month is a challenge for you, email me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I'll see what I can do. Um, and, yeah i think that's it for today um special uh thanks to wes who joined us for this peerment this for this peer mentoring session uh you know wes has been showing up that's one of our core values in the network you got to show up and wes has been showing up and when you show up to these events you get some great advice and uh, i just want to say thank you to wes for um showing up a lot over the past couple of weeks and for letting us use this this uh, recording on the show. So here it is. I hope you enjoy it.
2: I'm sort of trying to get my feet underneath me and get started on a concept that I've been working on for a little bit now. Uh, so uh, oh, yeah. it is a board game cafe, uh, is the concept. So the goal is to be sort of a full service cafe and to... Uh, have a library of games uh, that, you know, three to 400 games that guests can come in, select a game if they want to play, sit down on a table, get a coffee, uh, have cocktails, you know, beer menu, uh, sort of drinks while they sit, uh, small bites and uh, shareables um, with a sort of curated selection of some entrees uh, for people that want to do, you know, sort of full service dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, And then mixing that in with, uh, you know, a little retail store where you can buy games, game accessories, merchandise, and uh, uh, mix in some e-commerce with that for sort of revenue streams. Um, The the functionality and the goal of it is to run events uh, and to be um, focused on sort of daily events for your regulars uh, to keep them uh, going and, and build that stable. But then monthly and, uh, you know, or uh, possibly like, you know, a really big event quarterly, if not more often than that, just try to draw from outside the radius of the small town that I'm in. Right. So Do you what, like tournament style, you know,
1: like bigger events. Where yeah. are you located?
2: Mattoon, Illinois, which is central Illinois, 45 minutes south of uh, Champaign-Urbana, where the U of I is. So we're, we're kind of like smack center in the triangle of St. Louis, Indianapolis, and in Chicago, about two and a half to three hours away from each, two hours from Indy. Um, and uh, so there's the board game cafe concept exists, but it's not really in the smaller locales so much. Mm-hmm. um and and beyond like the tournaments of sort of the hardcore gamers uh trying to also grab on to that board game adjacent events having like a a big Harry Potter themed uh, event, you know, bringing in some vendors, bringing in, you know, costume contest and some other stuff and, and just trying to hook those people that have that sort of niche focus, uh, you know, star Wars, uh, all that, that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: so it's cool. I think, well, um, you know, going niche is always a good idea. Um, you know, it kind of separates yourself from everybody else, which is a, you know, we we obviously did that at the meatball shop, kind of focusing on single item uh, thing. Yeah. we You know, the challenge I see with the challenge I see with that is, you know, similar to that that exists in like a bowling alley or a pool hall or a ping pong facility. Right. Which is. With games, with board games, the understanding is that people are going to sit for longer than they normally would if they were just having a meal. So uh, in order to make that business profitable, you're probably going to need a larger venue than you would have probably initially thought you needed. Right. Does that make sense? So if if you only had, you know, 10 or 20 tables in there, once you're full, you're full. And unless those people are continuously ordering food and drinks, you know, you're limiting your, you're limiting your capacity to one turn or maybe two turns in any given day part, um, at the most, but you could easily sit down and play a game for two hours. Uh, absolutely. So I think that, you know, that's why kind of pool halls, I'm not talking about a bar that has a pool table. I'm talking about like a pool hall, right. Or a ping pong, like spin or, uh, you know, like the social, those social clubs, what is that? Uh, why am I blanking on the name of that big one? I think they're not in business anymore, but you know, that's why those places are huge. That's why those places have like, you know, 30 or 40 pool tables. Um, you know, they generally have other games also to occupy people's time while they're not able to get a pool table. And, you know, they also have limits on how much time you've been spent at the table. So you have to think through all of that as well. I mean, are you limiting people's time at a table? Um, and you know, is your space big enough to accommodate? I, I guess two things. Number one, you need table size that's big enough to accommodate mm-hmm. the game and drinks and food, right? Which is already taking up a large footprint in the space. And then you need a lot of you need a lot of tables in order to make money. Right. Yeah. You're not gonna not gonna make money if you have, you know, eight tables in a restaurant and people sit for two hours playing games. You're you're just gonna be hosting it's like hosting them in your living room.
2: Yep. So what I've found is that in this so Mattoon is eighteen thousand. There's a sister town Charleston that's fifteen minutes apart. Uh and that's twenty two thousand. Charleston host EIU, uh Eastern Illinois University, eleven thousand students and growing right now. Um but so Small area, uh, small demographic, but there's a 1950s bowling alley that has had the lanes, the equipment for the lanes taken out of it. They still have some of the lanes down. Uh, They took some of the lanes up and turned them into high top tables and the bar top. And uh, so for the last 15 years or so, it's been run as a wedding venue and um, the owners are looking to sell. So it's yeah, 8, well, that's, that's a great, yeah,
1: that sounds like a great, a great type of space, right? And maybe, yeah. maybe even keep the, keep the couple of bowling lanes that are there, you know, finding right. different additional revenue streams. Um, you well, know, the you lanes just are wanna, defunct, well, so maybe fix them up, you yeah, know, maybe, but so maybe point. you only need two lanes, you know, you don't need six or eight or 12, you know, sure. Two. Uh, people have, you know, people have bowling alleys in their house. Not not any of us, but some people do. They have like just one or two lanes. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's Plus, just added opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think people. When I think board games, a lot of board games, there's losers, right? So like when you get kicked out of the game, or when you're no longer involved in the game, like what are you gonna do? Sit and watch every like you might be able to get away and like throw a couple balls
1: down a lane, you know? To
2: like sure to the yeah, field. or
1: shoot pool, or go watch the sport, watch a game on TV. I mean, I don't. I, I think it has to be. You, in my mind, you're creating a, a, you know, you're doing what Starbucks did, which is like trying to create the third space, right? Trying to create a, a place that people can go when they want to get out of the house, but they also don't want to like fucking get dressed up and have to like impress anyone. They're just going with their friends to like have a fun night out. That's why people go to pool halls or ping pong places or bowling alleys. Um, it's just a fun thing to do for a couple hours on a night when you don't want to do something too crazy. Um, but yeah, to, to Eric's point, you know, you gotta have a couple of other areas of revenue, um, and things to do because yeah, to his point, if someone loses, if someone's out of the game, they're out of the game, what are they going to do? Or if a game goes on for a long time? I mean, there's games that you could, it could be three hour games and then you're you're not going to turn that table
2: or up. Uh, it's, it's very feasible to have a group of six people maybe eight people that come in to sit down and play like one of the more intense long-term games and they're gonna come in at like 10 a.m and set up camp for the entire day and take up like a six top or eight top table yeah,
1: which is which is awesome for brand uh like loyalty yeah. right but it's terrible for money <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I just want to address acknowledge masroar who joined the conversation uh, he is here and his, his, mute, his mic is muted. There he is. <laughs> uh, we're, I just want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, not to interrupt what you guys are talking about. It's great sure. stuff, but I just want to make sure we bring him to the conversation.
3: Yeah. Masru um, uh, Fatani, uh own and operate. Um, it, I operate in Houston. And uh, starting with a new concept out of College Station, Texas, called uh, Lane's Chicken Fingers. Uh, that's uh, in development right now. So I'm excited. Dude, to
0: get- I got to introduce you to somebody um, in the network. When you get a chance, I want you to reach out to Will Reynolds and uh, he just started a mozzarella ghost kitchen, mozzarella stick ghost kitchen. Nice. Talk about low overhead. <laughs> like, like, And he's having great success. And I know you're a franchise guy, Masora, so there might be some opportunity there for you. For sure. Uh, yeah. Make that's, sure you guys cool. connect. What's that? Lane's Chicken
1: that is that what you
3: said? Yeah, Lane's Chicken Fingers. It's um, you. You may have heard of Raising Canes. They're kind of like the big dog in the chicken finger space. When Lane started in '94. They were kind of before Canes kind of took off. So they, they just were getting new internet soon. So for right <laughs> now. <laughs> uh,
0: you also mentioned you're part of a franchise. We didn't catch the name of it. I know it's Halala Guys, right?
3: Yeah, Halal Guys.
0: Yeah. So, uh two franchises, Halal Guys and The Lane's Chicken. Um
1: okay, I know Halal Guys very well. I yeah. I don't. Yeah. Great brand. Yeah.
0: Um so did I derail your, your train of thought in your conversation with the uh previous what you guys were talking about? Uh if I did, I apologize.
1: No, Wes, what other what I mean, it sounds like a cool concept, but you got a little bit of stuff to think through. Um you know, but it sounds like this old bowling alley is, is a, at least the start in, in size and yeah. scope. Right. But, uh, you know, it's also not going to be cheap to, to build that,
2: you know? Yeah. So that's where, um, I'm trying to sort of figure out our, our back end. Um, so, and, and I've got a big problem in that my experience isn't in the restaurant industry. My experience is manufacturing and sales. Uh, and then, uh, my wife's, uh, my partner in it. Um, but she will be her. She's an engineer by trade, uh, and uh, is is currently working uh, with Mars Pet Care as sort of their supply excellence, like continuous improvement manager. And she's not going to step away from that. She's going to keep doing that. But um, so it gives some like systems and and that sort of Kaizen uh, mentality coming into the the place, which helps. But it don't have the experience with running and managing a kitchen and and the that portion which is you, a big Did you steal that word from eric he loves yeah. kaizen. that's like no uh he does love kaizen but it is near and dear to her heart she's a, a black belt in kaizen okay. uh so did i use that in our interview
0: i don't we use it all the time that's a new <laughs> thing yeah. What, you mean to tell me you listen to my show? Wow,
1: I'm I'm flattered. Right, you've I been dropping kaizen in most episodes, my degree, so. but all you know. I
0: mean, I go through phases. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Wes agreed. He said he, he said it is a word of yours. You do like that word. I do yeah. like kaizen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I'll i well, hear it someplace, and then like a little trigger, like my memory. And then like it like it stays surface for a while before I like falls back
1: down. But gets now you're going deep. to use it again because you just heard it. What, <laughs> what is the, uh, what's the, so are you going to run day-to-day operations or you're just going to be owner?
2: And- no, the the plan's for me to get involved in day-to-day operations. All right. So I've got my, uh, my chops cut out for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be a change of pace for sure. Um, what are you thinking for hours? Are you going to be like open early so people can pony up and get started or are you more late night? Is it going to be like a, you know, date spots, flash uh, friends meeting for drinks, like open late.
2: So, I uh, currently really looking. I, I'm kind of kind of broad set on it, where it's like a nine to ten uh, sort of hours. Um, there is not. So we Starbucks is here, um, but and there's a couple cafes that are local, but they don't have a large footprint. They have like four tables, so there's not really a cafe that anybody can come and sit. So when I'm looking at sort of our interior designing, like yes, we're board game cafe. Yes, it's a place to come and play games, but uh, the goal is to focus on new people, not necessarily the hardcore existing people, and to create that open and inviting you know community spot. So. Uh, some of the thought is that we're the cafe, you know, we're the place that you can still come and sit Um, and to grab that, that portion of the community that doesn't really have that, that location right now, unless it's, you know, the, a six top table, then there's only three, six tops in a small cafe. Are Um, they
1: paying? Are people paying
2: for the games for the use of the games? Not currently. Uh, I, not on startup, not for the first three months. Uh, so I think it's going to be a new concept for the area that I'm in. And so I want to minimize my barriers to entry for people given the area. If I was in Chicago, we would start with table fees. Um, because I think that it's a little bit more accepted and would maybe lean harder into the hardcore demographic of people that I, I play games more. Um, Yeah. I think you want to, you know, I think that's something you want to be
1: a little careful of Wes, because, you know, it's going to be hard to shift from
2: free to not free. Well,
1: yeah. Free to not free. I mean, it's different to shift from, you know, $10 to $20 as opposed to free to not free. Right. So I think that your initial plan needs to have some basis of cost associated with it. Um, whether that's a game rental fee or an hourly table fee or a, you know, or a minimum, even a minimum is, is, is a way to do it. Right. Just have a minimum spend at the table. Uh, you know, that can be accomplished through food and drink through game, through, you know, whatever, but they have to spend, you know, what you're going to have is you're going to have, again, just like they have in the pool halls, you're going to have riffraff that are just going to sit there. They're going to drink water They're not going to order. They already ate three hours ago with you, you know, but they're still sitting there three hours later, not ordering anything else. So I think it's a good idea. Have you, have you run some numbers? Have you put together a financial model and a pro forma?
2: I've put together uh, some initial financial models. I haven't. uh, Building out some of the different revenue streams that we're looking at and, and factoring some of the figures, but this is again where my weakness in the restaurant industry and experience you know sort of figuring how do I get that uh, you know per ticket uh, and ha- you know customers that are are coming in and, and sort of modeling like the demand initially and then as we expand i don 't have experience with starting a restaurant, so like getting those bases for those models is has been a little challenging uh, on my to-do list is to sit down with the uh, or get some information from sort of the local uh, chamber of commerce on what averages are um, for sort of the existing uh, people. But I, I don't have those numbers right now.
1: Yeah, your local SBA can help with a lot of that stuff too mm-hmm. as well. So check make sure you
2: check them out. Yeah. So I the, want to
0: throw a little time out here. I love what's happening. Um I'm communicating with Mazror in the background. He's got a hard stop at 12:30 oh, This time, 130. He does have a question around branding. I just want to make sure we give him a little bit of a window and then yeah. we got and if you guys want to pick up your train of thought after. Sorry to interrupt. No.
1: No, no. no I I didn't I I am here for
0: anybody. And yeah, Mazror, go for it, brother.
3: Yeah, just kind of wanted to know, you know, I saw you guys have expanded into multiple units. Just can you just comment on challenges and Anything that you encountered in growing from one to however many units you have today? uh, Key hires, just things that if you could go back and change, that would be helpful.
1: Yeah, uh, so it's always hard to kind of maintain brand consistency when you scale, especially if you go outside of your home market. right? But the the most important piece of that is to, you know, really proper training and development, right? So spend the time, you know, a lot of times in this business, in the food and restaurant business, you know, you're rushed to hire more often than not. And so you're just getting people and you want to teach them the menu and get them on the floor as quickly as possible. And that's like the worst thing to do. And it's it's the easiest thing to do. And it's most of the time what everybody ends up doing. But at the end of the day, it's really the worst thing to do. You're much better off. Flexing the team that you have for a few extra weeks to suffer, you know, maybe a six day, maybe a 12 hour day for, you know, a few weeks to get your new hire up to speed and really well adjusted and ready to get on the floor. But if you don't have proper training and development, you know, everything else stems from that Uh, with regards to, you know, another piece of that is culture, right? You want to try to maintain the brand culture and the ethos as you grow and expand, and in order to do that you know it's almost like you got to create a little bit of a cult like following with your business you have to have really loyal brand ambassadors that are also your employees they have to believe the mission statement they have to believe what you stand for uh and they have to feel like they're part of this journey together and um once you have that you know then yeah making the key hires are are the are the you know the most important things so you you want to make sure you don't hire too soon uh, for a role that you don't need yet, but you also want to make sure that you don't wait too long and put the burden on the rest of your team uh, to pick up that slack because that's really going to, you know, demotivate them. And it kind of is the antithesis of what the culture uh, is going to look like. Um, and then, where you asked another question. I hope that answers your question with regards to that. I mean, we can spend probably an hour on that stuff also, but... Um, what thing. is what does our org chart look like today so uh obviously covid changed a substantial amount of the org charts within restaurants in general specifically in new york uh but we left our key you know we left for the most part a lot of our key hires uh on board uh, the org chart consists of myself who's you know a partner and ceo so kind of the overall vision strategy growth direction branding, marketing, everything falls under me. Uh I have a uh VP of strategy and business ops. Um that person is a key hire because they handle all of the they handle all of the logistics and back end things about running a business and running a company, running a restaurant. So third-party delivery platforms. Uh you know we're in the CPG space with our tomato sauce in stores. You know, they this person handles that piece of it. They do uh, financial modeling with me, they oversee our accounting firm. Uh, you know, they're not our CFO. I mean, I act as the CFO. We don't, we don't have a CFO, but, um, this person will manage this, this person also VP of strategy and business ops runs, uh, all finance, you know, basically oversees our day to day finance accounts payable, receivables, uh, bank reconciliations. Just managing our, our accounting firm with doing that. Uh, I have a VP of ops. Uh, who runs the restaurants. Uh, and then I outsource uh, photography and a little bit of social. So I do a lot of social media, but we outsource a lot of photography and the general content met creation. Uh, we outsource to a photographer and content creators. And then I'll do the postings and stuff like that. Pre-COVID, we also had uh, an events person uh that did all of our events, whether corporate or in-house, special events, things like that, uh, and all of our caterings, off-site, off-premise caterings. And we also had a uh head of marketing pre-COVID, uh, who we parted ways with when the pandemic hit, who kind of oversaw, I would say on a junior level, but really was the keeper of the brand and from a marketing and PR standpoint. Uh, again, all funneling under me. I mean, we're a small enough company. We have five restaurants. We had, we had, you know, we 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 shift all the time. I mean, we opened two different pop-ups in 2019. We just opened a ghost kitchen in Boise, Idaho, which seems random, but it's a pretty cool market. Uh, and that's a licensed deal, so that there's really no org chart there. And then underneath, underneath that, we I don't like to use the word corporate, but under Funny enough, we're the meatball shops, so we make ball jokes occasionally. But uh the the main office we call TJS, which stands for the Jock Strap, because we support the balls and we support the ballers. So um, you know, under under the under TJS, Eric, I don't think we got into that in our talk, but yeah. Like, I love it, man. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so our our management, our corporate office is called TJS, and under TJS are the unit level managers. So we have um, in a normal in a normal world, we have a general manager and a chef and uh, a sous chef or a number two ship supervisor, kitchen supervisor, and then generally one or two front of house managers, depending on the size of the restaurant, and. Um, yeah, I
0: gotta, I gotta try to figure out to a way to incorporate a sexual like organ into whatever business I develop in the future, so I can have fun with. You can
1: do it. You can do it. Now. <laughs> I mean, you can do it now. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you're welcome, Masroor. I uh, appreciate the time coming. <laughs> Thank in. you, Masror. Um, You can do it now into restaurant Unstoppable. Like, um, you know, you can. It can be something like stop. No, don't stop. Like, you know, like. I played
0: around with the idea of pockets because my, my thing, my passion is um, like calzones, but I feel like there's a, there's an, uh, uh, an opportunity to just do like, you know, pockets from around the world. Right. But pocket there's, there's a, that could be a sexual innuendo. There's it's close enough. Not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Bringing it back to professional conversations. Uh, thank you for getting into that. <laughs> right. right. Uh, Wes, do did you have your, can you uh, maintain your train of thought? And I should give, um. Adam, you, a window here. I did say a minimum of 30 minutes. So if you, if that's all you have for us today, we
1: understand. I got, I got until about five minutes to two.
0: Okay. Got it.
2: Yeah. So going back to what you were talking about on the table fees, uh, the uh, what I've been considering and when I've been doing my modeling is a $5, you know, game rental fee uh, that gets waived after you exceed like a $15 minimum ticket. Um, and it, I, I, know I it's, hard to,
1: it's hard to hear that, but five bucks, I mean, you're, you're, you're then talking about a table, you know, essentially paying you $5, but if they hit a $15 minimum, then they're fine. But 15 bucks to take your table for two hours is you're never going to make it. I'm just being honest. I like sure. her, but no, this is great. This is great. It's not, um, but it's not Wes. It's important to know that it's not, that's not a knock on the business idea. Right. Yeah. It, it, I like the idea um, of this communal gathering place for gamers. You know, I mean, listen, gaming in general is a huge industry right now. Uh, esports also. I mean, there's an opportunity to do some version of esports gaming in that place too um you know maybe you have a bunch of xbox and playstations and consoles i mean projectors tournaments yeah. and show like get some get some famous gamers that are in the area to come by and you know play live on the big screen and you know
2: break that down <laughs> no it, it it there's some consideration there uh my concern is given the locale that i'm in that coming in higher than that is um, uh, that I'm just not Star- going to have what the is, basis. What does Starbucks
1: charge for a coffee? Right at $5. Yeah. yeah. But they they purposely don't have a lot of tables in there because right. $5 doesn't let me, you know, take up that table for so long. Right. I mean, they don't care because they're not looking at, they're not looking at, they're looking at volume and, you know, rings per hour, right? That's what they're that's what they care about. They're they care they care about velocity and movement and how many people they're getting through the cash register every hour. That's what that, that's what Starbucks looks like looks at. Sure. So the tables are there as an amenity for hey, if there's a table available, take it. But you know from going into any Starbucks like they don't care who sits there and how long they sit there. That's like a second thought for them. They, they don't, I mean, you can have someone sitting in a table in Starbucks for nine hours The the team at Starbucks, they don't say anything to that person. Right. Because they don't, because they don't care about the tables. Um, But you need to care about your tables because that's, that's where your bread and butter is right. Whether it's dining, food, snacks, drinks, or games, your tables are your, that's your diamond, right? That's the, that's the key. If you were just saying, you know, I'm just using this as an example, but if you were like, you had a space that was the size of a soccer field in your backyard and you set up a shit ton of picnic tables and you were like, here, rent a game. It's five bucks to rent a game. Go play as long as you want out back where I have, you know, 400 tables no problem, but you don't have that. And the weather gets cold there. So you have only indoors. So your, your space becomes a very prime commodity. And when you look at tables, you know, every table has a value. So like in the meatball shop, once I look at, I look at a chair, what's the cost of it, what's the price or the value of a chair, right? At the meatball shop, the value of a chair is about $80,000 a year. Um, and so you have to look at, you have to look at what a value of a seat is in your business because butts and seats are what spends money is how you're going to make a living. If you want to have, you know, the other option, again, here's another option, right? Wes, which now that we're talking about, it, I'm thinking more about it. What if it's a membership club, right? Yep. Membership only. So people pay a membership fee. And then you also have, Food and beverage, and then those become ancillary, secondary revenue streams. Game purchases—you know—you have games available to play, but they also can buy it if they really like yeah. that game. They can buy it and bring it home. I get that, but the 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 flip side of that is that is there's a membership fee to uh you know to 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 be a member of that club, right? Yeah. And then when they're a member, then they don't need to pay, then they don't need to pay for uh you know a game. Then, they don't, then you don't care how long they're sitting at the table, right? Because they're, it's a members-only club. But then what you need to do is you need to build your financial model that says, okay, how many members do I need on a monthly basis to sustain my cost of operating? And then think of it as food and beverage as an ancillary additional revenue stream, Or like Soho House or Country Clubs, you know, they use the food and beverage piece as a requirement to their members, right? So they have an X fee for the memberships, but then they'll say, you have to spend a minimum of, I'm just making this up, but you have to spend a minimum of $1,000 in food and beverage in the year. Yeah. Right? And so if they come once a week, you know, they're they're gonna have no problem reaching that thousand bucks at the end of a year in food and beverage cost, and they're the member of a private club. Um, you know that's a that's another angle to look at it at. But if you're just looking at it as you know this third place for people to you know play games and have food and drinks, I think you're going to be in a challenging situation to make the financial model work.
2: Yeah. Uh, so in our Membership clubs is on my radar. I, I, it's something that we would be doing, uh, whether it's a mug club um, or you, you know you have like a, a beer club where it's you get a, like a personalized uh, mug or something to, when you come in, you can uh, use that or you know, something that they just take home that's got the branding on it. It's part of their that's, sign up for their fee.
1: That's, that's all good. Um, that's all secondary. I'm talking sure.
2: about a straight up membership fee
1: to your club, right? I'm on, Eric, I mean... Eric charges the membership fee to the Restaurant Unstoppable Network, right? All the gems that you get here, my time, you know, everybody's time, all the podcasts, everything that Eric does, that's not his revenue driver, right? His revenue driver is either sponsorships or members joining the network, right? And the more people in the network, the better the revenue is, the more gems you get, the more opportunity for peer mentoring, for panels, for seminars, whatever. Eric wants to do, but that's the, you know, what started out as a hobby for Eric, right? Just learning more about the business turned into a business, but you know, he's, I'm sure Eric, you can speak to this, but you're looking at it as, you know, I want to try to grow the network. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I just, for me, it's because it's so niche. the, The mentality is, uh, Instead of like, I, I'm never going to get 10,000 listeners an episode. Maybe I could, but I mean, I'm my target market is restaurant owners and operators who listen to podcasts. So if what's I'm your going highest f-
1: listen to what's your okay. highest listen to one
0: 4,500. That's so good. That is good. But um, I, mean, I average 3,000, which is still really good um, for especially for a very targeted audience. But. I'm I'm never gonna get to the point where I can invest. My vision is to be able to invest in the network and to collaborate with people in the network and to start my own restaurants and have the podcast and the the network to be what funds my restaurants. But I also want to to go into business with people that I'm meeting in the network because I realize that I'm not gonna be able to do it by myself. So it's kind of like I'm I'm like stacking everything on top of each other. Yeah. Um but That's I know cool. that i won 't be able to get to the place like i 'm much more likely to get a thousand people to pay me thirty dollars a month than I am to get you know a hundred thousand people to pay me or like what thirty thousand people to pay me a dollar a month you know
1: so yeah but that's that's just... all, it 's all value it 's all value for market right so it's, yeah. it, what is the what what is your target market how many do you think you can get and then price accordingly to that to make your business model work mm-hmm. but so you know you have to the, all the mug clubs and the beer clubs, Wes, are good ideas. But you, you know, the you either have to charge more for a ta- you either have to charge table fees, game fees, or you do a, a member club fee, right? Which is like it's like joining a. I mean, it used to be. I mean, even Blockbuster back in the day, like you used to pay five dollars a year for a Blockbuster card. And I mean, yep. Costco is a mem- Costco is a membership. Those yep. people are target audience. They are. You know they are willing to pay a membership fee to Costco or BJ's or Sam's Club. They are paying a fee yearly to to have the ability to shop there.
2: Oh, I I hear what you're saying. Uh, the I may have diluted my message by saying Mug Club and talking about that because it it would be a monthly membership. I, I
0: think you need to look at it as a yes and like
2: yeah. Y- like it that's is. something you
0: can do to add value to your it membership is. and also like make them feel special. Like oh, I got me a mug so. The question is like, what? What do your members get that everybody else doesn't get? Right, so you can create that level of like, oh, this is special. Yeah. I think mug club is a yes and like that's it, one it, thing you could
1: do in addition to. What are your thoughts on? Yeah, I agree. It's, it is a, a fully a yes and, but that's the yeah. model of that's the model of your business, Wes. Should be yes and, right? Because it's, exactly, it's, a, it's not a it's not enough. One thing in that business model is not enough to 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 have a full functioning business that's going to generate enough revenue for you,
3: no, I, one I, of
1: those pieces are not enough. But all of them, you know, games and food, food and drinks, drinks and membership, membership and beer club, you know, beer club and mug of the month t-shirts, you know, and t- minus you
0: minus twelve minutes, FYI, or eleven minutes now, FYI, just so. yeah. yeah.
2: Time. that's that's sort of where a lot of the basis is and it, it makes me nervous sometimes that i'm like getting into uh going in too many different directions but when you talk about like the events and the, the membership sort of the top and you have those trickle downs where you have the mug club like we we're the we have a spot that would be set aside for like a retail section. You know, is there a benefit that being a part of a member can give you towards, uh, uh, you know, to where people feel like there's value in the membership, which allows us to charge like a higher price for the membership. Um, and, and uh, you know, having the table fees for those that aren't members, but it's like, but if you, you know, join and become a member, you know, that table fee is uh, waived or lessened or, or something so the the membership's definitely uh a, a portion of of revenue that i think's necessary for for the model because there's a lot of board game cafes that closed during covid because they just it's a social event they didn't have the ability to sort of pivot out of of their niche
1: yeah but um, if they could have you know they could have uh they could have very easily pivoted to online gaming, right? That's just another yeah. avenue. What do you think, Eric? So, um, I mean, I, there is just one thing
0: that um, I want to bring into the conversation, uh, but I also don't want to cut this short. Um, I, one, one of the things I've, I've identified with Wes specifically is that he brings his, his passion is the gaming is the community is those, or are those people. He has zero restaurant experience, um and i see a situation where he could get trapped in the business doing the things that he has to do like managing a kitchen and staff where i think what his unique selling proposition is is his passion for gaming and the events that he can throw uh, with his network um so one of the things i was wondering i want to get your feedback on this or, or coaching if he did some type of collaboration. Or what your thoughts are? Where he can? What's what's your advice for him to remove himself from the day to day operation so he can work on his business? I think really where his value is going to be is uh, generating community around gaming and pulling in people from his network to 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 show up to
1: these events. Yeah, that's. I mean, if that's the case, is that is that true, Wes? Generally speaking, is is Eric right?
2: I I think that Eric has a lot of uh, truth there. Um, I don't know how to get there though. So well, I'm saying that I'm doing the operations because how, who else am I going to have do the operations?
1: Yeah, but restaurants. So, so restaurants, a lot of restaurants in this country are looking for things to do. I mean, they do trivia night. They do this night. I mean, there's, you could create a whole business where you have this traveling roadshow of putting on these incredible gaming events where you go from restaurant to restaurant and even, I mean, theoretically, if you grow it big enough, you're you traveling around the country, throwing these incredible, you know. Whether I don't know what's your favorite game. What, what game do you like that you're playing right now? Now I'm put on the spot. Uh, Anyone? Anyway, I mean, I'm just using it for an example, but like, I didn't want to use like Scrabble, but like, sure, you know, yeah, Trivia Trivia Pursuit, right? Yeah, or Cards Against Humanity or something. You oh, no. you could you could be like the you could be like the traveling game fucking master. Where like in a, a restaurant's looking for like something to do on Monday nights the restaurant's not that busy you you know similar to a promoter, you know there's a door fee or a fee that the the restaurant pays you for hosting this and you're pushing it out to your network on all your social channels and you're getting the people in the door the restaurant's site because they're you know busy and people are ordering food and ordering drinks and you're hosting this incredible game night and so that network then wants to reach out to you to say, where's the next game night? And before you know it, you're hosting, you know, you got multiple people in different cities. I'm getting way ahead of it, but, you you know, sure. you're in multiple cities in, in running this franchise business of hosting these game nights at local restaurants around their city. If that's your area of expertise is really about the community, you know, I'd be nervous getting into the restaurant business. It's, it's, it's not easy, man. It's very hard. Um, and it's exhausting and it's frustrating and it's very, the reason I bring up these, these cost things is because money is a, is a big cash flow and money is a big problem in restaurants. The margins are very low. Uh, you know, you don't make a lot of money when you're done with food costs, liquor costs, beer costs, labor, occupancy. You know, you're left with very little pennies on the dollar in some cases. And so, you know, in order to, in order to make it work, you got to be either packed with a line out the door every day where you got to work in some pricing models. That's going to, you know, give you the, the the lift that you need to hit some target numbers. But I like the idea of, a, you know, to Eric's point, being the community and the, and the passion for the gaming, you know, bringing that to restaurants and you can start small with that too. You can just find a local restaurant in town that wants to host a game night uh, yeah. and, and do, you know, you got to sell it to them and, you know, you can do that but you got to tell them listen i can bring you 50 people in the door on monday night we're going to do a big trivia pursuit night and you're going to be the host or the mc you're going to have a microphone or whatever i mean it's going to be different for every game right yeah but um
0: i've thrown the got- idea at, at west of, of collaborating with a local restaurant tour and just renting out the space the kitchen space and providing a venue um so that way he can just wipe his hands of like the food operations side of things have a channel of revenue with renting out the space to somebody and then focus solely on the community and the branding of the space and the events.
1: Yeah. That's another, that's another great option too. I even think don't even, I even think more we talk about It's like, don't even worry about the food and beverage or any of that. Just run the games and charge, you know, I mean, you could charge a thousand bucks to a venue for hosting a game night. I mean, they're going to generate five grand in sale. I'm just, again, making up numbers. They're going to generate five grand in sales and incremental revenue on a Monday night that they wouldn't have had before. They'll pay you a thousand. You host, you know, 12 games a week at different places around town. I mean, that's a big business potentially. Yeah. And then all you have to do is worry about the games and worry about the community, building a community on social, building the Facebook groups, asking people what games they want to see, you know, what games they want to play, and then really get the, the branding out around that. And then, you know, you're the game guy. And so, yeah. you know, we, you could even do it for, for personal parties, right. You could like be the host of a game. Like, I mean, it's all over TV now, Ellen's game of games and Hollywood game night. Like they even have TV shows about games. You could, you could do private parties in people's houses where they get 20 people together and they bring you in because you're the fucking game master and you like lead a great game and you, you know how to keep the flow of the game moving and, you know, you could have a lot of fun with that fucking dress up sure. in a referee shirt with a whistle
2: and be yeah. like, illegal move, illegal move. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I hear you. There's, there's a lot of ways to, to run with it. So, uh, yeah, I think you got a lot
1: of work ahead of you. Um, but listen, you could reach out to me anytime. I'm going to, I got to try to wind down a little bit cause I got to go in a little, in a, in a Sure, but, uh, but we could talk about this for a long time, but you could reach out to me anytime, um, And, you know, if I can offer some advice or you just have a question that you want to bounce off me, no problem
0: there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed today's session a bonus episode with Adam Rosenbaum. Thank you so much, Adam, for continuing to make time for me and my audience. Uh, you're a wealth of knowledge and you guys have some incredible advice today. And if you guys found yourself being jealous of all this attention West got, and you want to be a part of restaurant unstoppable network, here's what you got to do. Head over to restaurant network.com and it's thirty. Dollars a month, $1 a day to get access to the best minds in the industry and to, to learn what the most successful restaurateurs know that you don't. And I don't think that's much to ask, but if you guys are struggling and I get it, times are weird right now and there's not a lot of extra income, shoot me an email, Eric at restaurant I'll, I'll see what I can do um, to help you get into the network and get you the help you need. Cause it really, we're we're really trying to, the mission statement is to inspire empower, and transform the industry. And that's the priority. So um, if you need to get into the network, if, if you need the help, uh, l- let me let me know. I'll see what I can do. And I hope you guys found value today. Uh, we got a lot of cool things coming up in the network. Whenever we have guests on the show, I give them the opportunity to, to do this. So make sure you're paying attention to the email list. And if you're not on the email list, literally go to any page at restaurant right now. Go to restaurantunstoppable.com Scroll down to the bottom of any page there should be a link for you to click on uh, or a way for you to to get onto the email list. Uh, So get on the email list. When you subscribe to the email list, you get a weekly email from me every Saturday or Sunday where I let you know what's coming down the barrel in the following week. So you can stay up to date with whatever here, mentoring guests we have with whatever technology we're featuring or tech talk we're having. And what what, what I do a lot of the time is I have these, these companies that are being recommended on the show organically. I invite them to come learn more about what they got going on and to also we do demos where we do live demos where I have the VP of sales or the CEO even sometimes literally taking us through their product features and you get to connect with these people and you get to how often do you get to talk to executive level individuals when you invest in these tools and technologies not that often but when you're in restaurant unstoppable network that happens every week so Come hang out on the network. There's a ton of value uh, between the peer mentoring, the tech talks, the workshops, the live workshops that we're hosting, and me, me making myself available twice a week. Um, there's a lot of value there, and I can't wait to meet you. So, uh, with that said, I hope you guys all enjoyed today's episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. And again, if you want some help getting into the network, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantstoppable.com. All right, guys, that's it. Until next time, peace out.